This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California in Malibu and Silver Lake, Aloe was formed by our good friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Bob, and Jared. And Aloe was created with the theory that addicts would do better if they're treated with compassion rather than control. Aloe offers addicts a painless detox. So if you're kicking alcohol or heroin or benzos, just know that they are going to make your detox as comfortable as possible. They treat co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They have amenities out the ass, including surfing, equine therapy, sound bath meditations, and the super spiritual sweat lodge. They have a crack team of clinicians with hundreds of years of experience between all of them. If you're fucked and you have nowhere else to go and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I would totally recommend Aloe. This episode is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power of the Dopey Patreon page. Um, I'm very grateful for everybody that throws a few bucks at Dopey Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash Dopey Podcast. Help brother out, throw a couple bucks, make my father happy, Dopey Patreon. If you guys want fucking socks or ski hats, you Venmo me. If you want any of the other Dopey fashion of T-shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, you go to DopeyPodcast.com. And before I go to the show, I want to give a crazy, crazy thank you to Misty in the Dopey Nation who sent me the coolest shit. She sent me uh, a Dopey book with this folded paper where it looks like the Dopey head. And she sent me this beautiful framed pseudo stained glass red glittery Dopey logo, which I am so grateful for. Thank you, Misty. I think it's super cool. You're going to get something very special in the mail. So thank you for that. I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, who's involved with Dopey. It's, uh, it blows my mind what a community we have going and how powerful this thing is becoming. And uh, me and Chris never would have thought it would happen. So thank you to everybody. Enough with the blubbering schmaltz and ads. Here is the fucking show. <laughs> Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I am Dave, and I'm in Manhattan at my father's kitchen table with Dopey Mainstay, who hasn't been on the show in a little bit, Bill Blaber. Hey, Dave. Happy New Year. Have, did you, do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, off and on. You haven't watched the new one? I haven't seen the new one, no. Because the, you, I texted Bill out of the blue recently, and, and he texted back, Happy New Year. And in the new Curb... Um, somebody sees Larry and says, Happy New Year. And he says, it's too late for that. <laughs> he says, it's too late for Happy New Year. You know, once it's like fucking a week after New Year's, you don't do it anymore. See, I've, I, I have this conversation with friends every single year. My rule is all throughout the month of January, you can say Happy New Year to somebody as long as it's the first time you've seen them in person. So today was the first time I've seen you in person. But you texted me Happy New Year I did, well. but that doesn't count. I don't like this fucking level. We're dealing with this machine that I deal with all the time. And that people, like, a certain number of the Dopey Nation complain 
about the levels. The quality of the sound? Yes. Once okay. in a while, once I've had complaints. And last week I had my sponsor on the show, and he held the mic a little bit away from his mouth, <laughs> and he was quiet. And somebody wrote this thing on Reddit if the levels are fucked up or there are sirens on the show, you know you're listening to the Dobie podcast. Aww. Which is, you know, it's true. It's quaint. I guess. It's like nothing to be known for is bad sound. You know, and then there's another dude who I had met who runs a podcast network on the Lower East Side called the Gas Digital Network, and they have a bunch of big shows. And he said, your show is great, but it sounds like garbage, and if it sounded much better, you'd have... A hundred times the listeners, which I when I he told me that I went out and I bought this board for me and Chris and Todd and whoever was going to be on the show, and I never learned how to use the board. You know who's really really strict about their sound checks? Who? Madonna. Well, I can imagine, but Madonna doesn't use the <laughs> Xenix Q one two zero two USB. But she'll run basically. I'm not kidding. She's still on tour, by the way, people. Um, she's in London right now, but she runs almost the entire show. That's how much of a perfectionist she is. How do you mean? So she'll, she'll come in, you know, hours before the show, and they'll, their sound check will be running the show. <laughs> I was going to, um, I have a guitar in the store across the street. They're fixing it, and I, they've been fixing it for a long time, and I was going to have it, and we were going to do Borderline. Oh. I was going to do Borderline with gonna you. going to ambush me? <laughs> well, I just figured it would be a treat. I love it. I, I, I think I told you this the last time you were on the show that border, I've always loved Borderline and that I would sing it to the, the gr- Borderline girls on, yep. the, on the van yep. in rehab. And I love that, which brings us to the first topic of our day. Okay. Bill works for the illustrious uh, company and program of Mountainside Treatment in uh, Canaan, Connecticut, and Manhattan, and Huntington, and someplace in Chappaqua, Westchester. Chappaqua, New York, Chappaqua. and Milton, Connecticut. Right, just take it easy, company. Soon to be New Jersey. And if you are following the Dopey Podcast, you know that we recently got to give a scholarship away to a young man named Josh, and Josh is in treatment, and he's been calling me. That's wonderful. From treatment. He called me from detox. It was cool. He was in detox, and he called me... Um, because he wants he wanted people to hear his episode uh, when when he called in. Okay, but for some reason, and this is just a, a total like reverse God thing, I never uploaded his episode to YouTube. There's 223 episodes, and basically every episode from like 160 on is loaded up to YouTube because you know Chris didn't know about it, and he would upload all the episodes. I didn't know about it, or maybe pod being created some way to press a button and it goes to YouTube. So I just started doing that and uh, his isn't there. So he asked me to get his on YouTube and I'm like, I can't figure it out. (laughs) And like, we're sitting here with this fucking soundboard and it's like, he's bill is like, dude, you've been doing this show for fucking four years. How come you don't know how to use the board? And it's like one of my character defects is I fucking hate to read directions I hate following instructions. I'm like, it should all be, you know, that word intuitive. I, is it working now? Can people hear us? I don't know. So you got it. You got it working. I know. It just took. Bill came over in a fucking pissy mood, saying that things weren't going well, and then my dad's printer broke. The soundboard stopped working, and um, yeah, I'm like, having a day, and I'm like, I usually a, do. He's a black cloud. <laughs> he, he's bringing the, the bad luck. But um, the thing about Josh, when he um, reached out, all of a sudden I just started to remember things about being in treatment 
And uh, the funniest thing is that after he went in, into residence, this woman called me up from Mountainside named Jenna and was telling me how grateful that Josh was. And Jenna is a counselor or something. You know Jenna? No, I don't. Maybe her name isn't Jenna. But, um, it's probably not Jenna. I don't want. I don't want to say. Or maybe it is. You know, I work in the city. You know, there's a a great team up there. I don't know every single one of them. I don't want to say her last name, but I believe it rhymes with Moo. And oh uh, yes, 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 yes. And um, she doesn't work in um, in the detox. No, no. She's one of our. She's an amazing clinician. Well, do you know the story about her? Is that Chris, when we were in treatment, was in love with her? Oh, really? Like fucking obsessed with her? Like. And it was like the big joke in the residence was how much Chris was in love with her. Oh, that's funny. And I think there was a story where he followed her to her her car one time. And then when he got out, he started writing her on Facebook. Wow. You know, and she calls me and I was like, is this, you know, is this the (laughs) same person? And she was like, yes. Did she remember Chris? Yeah, she remembered. That's the other thing. She remembers Chris. And, um, and, you know, she, she was, I think she was like, she wasn't sure what she should do when Chris was reaching out and everyone was like, just like ignore him. Right. And I think she gave a nice wave or something, but it was a, it's a good, it's a, it's a funny thing to me. The funny other thing is that this guy, Josh is in mountainside, you know, and he's like, yeah, he's like, everybody remembers Chris. And it's like, nobody fucking remembers me. Wow. Nobody. Wow. It's like, I make no fucking impact. And in my schools, like, you can go to my college, you can go... I mean, in my high school, people would remember me because I was a total fuck up. But, like, people just didn't notice me. I was not noticed in, in anywhere. I was like a fly on the fucking wall. You're talking about yourself. I was a wallflower. Yeah, I sort of, you know, I, I was very different back then. I hadn't come out of the closet, and I knew, I guess, I don't know, did I know I was gay? I'm not so sure. But I felt very alone every day walking down the hallway in high school. Um, tried to put on the, my, you know, my put the best face on. But, yeah, my high school memories aren't the, I don't have fond high school memories. I have amazing high school memories of my friends. But the te- and my friends all like the teachers. They talk about the teachers in this camaraderie. Is it a word, camaraderie? Camaraderie? Camaraderie. Camaraderie. A well, way that describes camaraderie. No, it's not a word. But in some way that they, they, like, they like the teachers. And I fucking don't like the teachers because I knew they didn't know me. And I feel the same way about Mountainside. So I have this kind of built-in jealousy of Chris being remembered. Oh, now I understand what direction you're going. I was not well, remembered. You, you have reset the course anyway. Now you, now everybody at Mountainside knows who you are. So, Which is why the whole thing is very troubling. Very <laughs> troubling. And how many times did you go to treatment? I've been to, uh, so let's see, technically two inpatient treatments. Um, one was in a psychiatric hospital in Summit, New Jersey, and then the other one was um, the Karen Foundation in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. Why were you in um, the psych tr- treatment? So was that was that? the very first, my very first experience of um, trying to get sober. And I didn't really want to get sober. I had a psychotic break. So basically, I uh, my my head snapped. I think I might have told this story a couple of times. But I saw these. Um, military men rushing at me with machine yeah, guns. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so that, that's what precipitated me going into the hospital. And they had like a, it was technically a rehab. Um, it was called Pride. It was, um, have you heard of Pride, the gay rehab that's out in Minnesota? Anyway, they used to have these satellite locations and one of them was here in New Jersey. And um, it was not, my experience was not a very positive one. Uh, they sort of just, you went in there, you did your intake and they stuck you in the back of a psych hospital and that was their quote unquote 
treatment center and you know you were locked down you know in mountainside and, and in karen in pennsylvania where i went like you you know you're not locked down at all you know you can get out and you can walk um you know we hope that you stay on the, the, the right side of the fence but this was like a legit lockdown psych hospital so that was my first experience and um it wasn't it wasn't a great treatment experience but i had a lot of fun i was there on halloween they had a halloween party we dunked for apples we watched halloween uh one halloween two and halloween three um we had like this little party and then they kicked me out the next day because my insurance wouldn't pay anymore you know like every morning i guess they call and they try and see if your insurance company will pay up and the day after halloween on all saints day november 1st they said no more. No more that's for you. The, uh, that's the most fucked up thing about treatment. Well, there's is no that- aftercare. Like there was, you know, what we do, and I don't want this to be a commercial for Mountainside, but what we do, we're, we're, part of my job is I was in Canaan all day yesterday, like I was telling you, I was working with the clients up there who were from New York City and trying to help them put together a solid aftercare plan if they want to make recovery coaching part of that. But there was none of that at the first treatment center I went to. Um, now, Karen did an amazing job. When I left Karen, but this is back in 2003, um, they did a great job of putting an aftercare plan together, but not as good of a job as Mountainside does today. All right, take it easy, company okay, man. Sorry. Calm down, Jesus Christ! I'm trying I to say- change my mood. I walked in here in a mood. Well, and yeah, I don't I, like being in a. Mood. Are you in a? You're in a better mood now, aren't you? Yeah, but I never left treatment with an aftercare plan, including Mountainside. That's not true. Inclu- I didn't have an aftercare. I mean, unless an aftercare plan involves waiting tables at Katz's and smoking weed, I didn't have an aftercare plan. And then also, well, that was the old Mountainside. Yeah. The new mountainside has an amazing team that all they do is help you plan your aftercare. I think they tried to help me plan it. I just you was, probably just I, wouldn't let them. I was very resistant. Um, and I've often been resistant to things. Um, I went to treatment in Florida, as lots of the dopey nation knows. I went to a place called Renaissance. Oh, yeah. And I went to Renaissance as Karen was buying it. Right. And they actually had the drummer from Crosby, Dallas, Austin, I think his name was. The drummer from Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young was like a clinician at Karen, really, and he showed up at uh, at Renaissance, and um, yeah, Renaissance was a tough place to be. It was like a place where they like pointed you out and said you're fucked up. Like right. they kicked me out of there like three times, and like you have to go like stay with townies and stuff. And um, yeah, I lived down in Delray Beach when I left Karen years ago, and Renaissance was down there in Boca, I think, right next yeah. to Delray. And the reputation was pretty dire. Yeah, it was a tough place to go, and uh, there were a lot of things about it that weren't great. But I will tell my one of my favorite recollections, which was I got there. You know, I got to treatment, and I was I had fucking. Um, you know, I had kicked at a detox. I think it was a detox called High Point. Oh yeah, and I loved I loved that name. That the the detox was called <laughs> High Point, and I, I had gotten to the detox like literally covered with chocolate syrup from the night before, and like somehow covered with barbecue sauce. Like when I got there, they're having a barbecue, and I was I was already covered with chocolate from the plane ride. <laughs> and when I got there, I started eating barbecue, and I got covered with the barbecue sauce. And I had a I had like a quarter pound of weed in my blanket i had a blanket that was all burned up with tons of holes in it so i had a hole where i could cram a bunch of weed into it and uh when i would go smoke cigarettes i would unroll some of the cigarette and i'd put a little bit of bud in it and i would put the rest of the cigarette in and i would smoke cigarettes on the porch and i'd get a little hit of weed while i was in it and maybe my third night in 
they like caught me smoking weed because I was smoking weed right. like on the porch or whatever. And they were like, we're going to kick you out, blah, blah, blah. And I was in Florida and I wasn't going to come home for a long time. I was like, please. So they just took the weed and they didn't kick me out. But I had this fucked up nasty blanket that I went to Renaissance with. And I get to Renaissance and I'm still kicking dope and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Because um, I was so uncomfortable and I was in this new place and they have these kind of condos that you live in on a golf course. And it's very much like I had a grandmother who, who lived in uh, West Palm Beach and she had a place like that looked exactly like my apartment at Renaissance. Right. So I was like, it's kind of like my grandma Pearl's apartment. Um, and the, my roommates, one dude was like a mafia enforcer who was like from Staten Island, crazy jacked up guy um, named Ted. And the other one was a very soft spoken Southern guy named Shane. And they weren't in the apartment that night. Like they were out like hanging out or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? And I remember I'm, I'm like freezing because I'm still kicking dope and I'm freezing like in my bones, in my, in my soul mm. and cold. And, uh, and, I'm, and, I, and I wrap myself up in the, my disgusting, burnt-up, cigarette, nasty blanket, and I'm kind of shuffling around my grandma's apartment. And, but it's not my grandma's apartment, at, at, at uh, Renaissance. And I look in the freezer, and they have Breyers uh, vanilla fudge oh, yeah. swirl ice cream. Yeah. And I take, like, a big mug, and I fill it to the top with the Breyers vanilla fudge swirl, and I cover it with chocolate syrup, and I sit down on the couch, and I put on the TV... And it's the beginning of Star Wars on FX, on FX or TBS. It's just on. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, everything is going to be okay. And I think as soon as you find that moment in treatment, you're like, I can deal with this. Right. You know, there's also many detoxes where I felt the same way. And instead of my uh, an apartment with vanilla fudge swirl and Star Wars, it would be fucking hot chocolate with four packets, a peanut butter sandwich, and Jerry Springer. Yeah. But I could find myself okay. You know, um, you know what I mean? I do. I don't have any crazy rehab stories like that. My, I had a pretty positive, I did have sex in rehab, but I'm not going to talk about that. No, tell that. <laughs> What's that story? And rehab um, <laughs> sex is the, people say that, that revenge sex so or cliche rehab sex. I mean, that's like saying recovery is cliche. Rehab, rehab sex is crucial. I mean, it's crucial. I think it's, they say relapse is part of recovery. I think rehab sex is part of recovery. Right. Well, you know, I, so I was, a, when I was at treatment, when I went to Karen, I was there, did their 28 day program. And then I did their extended program was program, which was two, two and a half more months. I was there for basically three, three, yeah, three and a half months. And I, you know, it wasn't very gay when I was there. So there were a couple of, you know, stragglers would come and go. And, um, so there was this one gay who came in and he was in. Do the, you say one gay or one gay guy? I say one gay. Okay. Because it's understood that it's a gay guy. Yeah, it's a gay guy. Okay. Um, anyway, we, you know, we hit it off. We became friends. And so we sort of, you know, got close to each other because, um, you know, we had, we identified with each other and, you know, it was a scary time. And, you know, one thing led to another. And he was um, an actor and he was on one of my favorite soap operas. I'm not going to say. Was it all my children? I'm not going to say because I don't want people to try and figure out who it was. Was it Guiding Light? Anyway. It was Guiding it was Light? On, no, was it? I knew it was. But he was from New York and he was an actor and he was on one of my favorite soap operas and friends with one of the famous soap Was it General very, Hospital? Very, very famous soap opera actresses. Very famous soap opera, you know, who maybe had won an, waited a long time to win an Emmy. He was on that show. And anyway, we got together. I don't remember her name, so that doesn't But you know matter. who I'm talking yeah, about, right? yeah, So yeah. anyway. Lucha, um, Lucha something. So we uh, got together. We were friends. We had sex. It was, we had. What's her name? Veronica Lucci? Susan Lucci. Yeah. Okay. Susan Lucci. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, anyway, I love Susan Lucci. She's amazing. Hey, Susan, if you're listening, she's, she's great. She's, she's not listening. She, uh, I grew up on Flo- in Floral Park on Long Island, and she lived in Garden City. Um, I've actually met her a couple of times since. But what am I trying to say here? Oh, the sex. The so we gay, had sex, and it was good. And, and it was the first time. you got to remember. Okay, so here's the thing. I was a crystal meth addict. So crystal meth means sex, right? And so... Sex was very triggering. It was a big part of why I was why I was in rehab because I would just get myself into these very dangerous situations. And so having sex in treatment, I thought was like a good idea because it was a safe environment. It was a controlled environment. I was sober. Um, there was no way um, I was going to be able to get any crystal meth onto campus at Karen in the middle of Wernersville, Pennsylvania. Um, we didn't get caught, but people suspected, so it only happened once. But it did change the dynamic of our friendship. You know, it, it changed things. And um, I think maybe I wanted to have sex again and he didn't, or I don't know, maybe it was the other way around. Maybe he did and I didn't, but it was never really the same. But here's something, uh, fast forward the way the universe works as well. Years later, um, we ran into each other again back here in New York. I mean, I mean, years later. Um, and he was sober that, that time. And I was just coming back to get sober. This is 10 and a half years ago. And I walked, but I never stopped thinking about this guy. And I walked into my very first AA meeting. It was a Sunday evening in the West Village. And there he was. And I couldn't believe I saw him. And I was so excited. I walked right up to him and I said, hi, and used his name. And he looked at me and he didn't, I think he recognized me, but he just wasn't as as excited to see me. And I felt like this was a sign from the universe that, like, here he is, right? All these years later, you need help. You always, you never forgot about him. I had a fondness and a kinship for him. You had him. a torch burning for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, but not in, like, a sexual way, just in, like, in like I really felt connected to him. You know, it was that re- rehab romance is basically what it was. Um, so that's probably the craziest thing that ever happened to me. You know, I, ne- I never had actual rehab sex. I had rehab. I mean, I like to act like I did. Oh. I had rehab romances, but they never were ever consummated. Uh-huh. To be honest, I never fucked at rehab. I had a straight guy trying to get, tried for try for. You two, look disappointed when I tell you this that you didn't have sex. You, in you, you like you have crestfallen luck. That's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's that day. Remember, we started this episode not having a great day, um, but th- this is the best part of my day so far. Sitting here, well, that's good. Like, I, I will walk out of here feeling much better. Um, well, I don't even remember what I was just saying now. You were saying that a straight guy tried... Oh, yeah. Th- th- maybe the craziest thing that ever happened to me was in my three and a half months while at Karen in the extended care part of the program, there was this guy, this straight guy, who kept trying to have sex with me. And he would do it in front of other people. Like he w- It was obviously a cry for help. Um, and like he would, he would really cross some boundaries. And I, it's, I, it's not, not even like I minded the boundaries that he was crossing because it was, you know, he was, he was hot. You know, he was really attractive. He was funny. He had a great person. Personality, but it. But he was straight, and he was clearly, well, clearly not. I guess, right? Clearly not straight. If he wanted to have sex, but no, probably not probably straight. Not straight. No. Um, straight guys generally don't try to have sex with right, other guys. Yeah, and then uh, he might have gone down to Florida a year later and sober living. I might have met up with him and had sex with him then. But still, he still claimed he was straight at that time. Okay, well, so that's like that's really as crazy as my like treatment. More importantly, though, we're wishing Josh the best, and. Um, I think it's uh it's awesome that we could give him any help and um I think that's just like uh I don't know it's like something I never expected with Dopey to be able uh to help I mean like a lot of people claim that Dopey helps them get clean or feel less alone or whatever but the idea that 
because we do dopey, somebody gets free treatment is like next level, very cool. Right. And uh, in fact, um, some other treatment centers have followed suit, and I think there are going to be more scholarships on the horizon. Oh, that's wonderful. Which I'm very excited about. I think it's super, super cool. I did something uh, recently that uh, was not the most sober thing, and... um, you know, I, I think uh, it's worth talking about. One thing that I still do um, from time to time is um, I have to get up at four in the morning every day. Oh my god! I, um, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I get up. At, it's supposed to be four forty, but I get up between four and four forty every day. I catch a five forty six train, and uh, I get to work at like eight. I think that's. But I also walk from Penn Station all the way to Katz's, and. I have been on this routine. I've been doing a shitload of catering, which is killing me. And um, I have to get to bed really early, which is fine. I get into the routine. But Friday night, um, my Linda's brother came over, and we decided we were going to play Monopoly. And me, Linda, her brother, and Nora, our nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and almost 10-year-old daughter, play Monopoly. And I had the fucking, literally, like, the best game of Monopoly in my life. Wow, that's like, great. Like, I bought Boardwalk and Park Place, wow. and I put hotels on them. And I've never done that. Wow. I'm 45. I've never done the that. gifts of sobriety. It was, like, fucking... And I got high on it. Like, I got, I, I got totally high on it. And, uh, and I had run out of money, but I had the hotels. So as soon as they landed, I was like, it was like getting a shot of heroin when they landed on my hotel on Park Place. I played life with my niece and nephew on Super Bowl Sunday. This is not the same thing. <laughs> um, but I fucking bankrupted everybody, and I felt good. And, and, but it got late. It got late. And the thing is, if it's 11 o'clock at night, and I have to, and my, it's, I didn't have to get up the next morning, right. but I can't help it. I just wake up at 3, 4 in the morning, and right. I can't go back to sleep. Right. So I go to 7-Eleven um, to get NyQuil because I needed to, if I take NyQuil, I can sleep till 8 in the morning. Okay. Okay? So... I go to 7-Eleven to get NyQuil, and I come home, and I, and I take a dose of NyQuil. I don't slug out of the bottle. I don't fucking overdo it. I just took a fucking cap full of okay. NyQuil. And I'm sitting there, and I start thinking about Artie Lang, okay? I just like, why haven't I heard from him? What's going on? And I fucking text Artie, and I'm on the NyQuil. You're on okay? the NyQuil. And he texts back. And I was like, dude, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And I call him. Oh, wow. And he answers the phone. And he thinks I'm all fucked up. You know, and not that I seem, but like, why are you calling me at 1130 at night on a Friday night? Right. He's like, I'm driving here. You know, he's like, (laughs) text me next week. And, um, but it was like, I basically drunk dialed Artie on NyQuil. That's basically what happened. Okay. Don't you think? Well, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself. I told the story to my friend Ray, and and Ray is, by the way, if you're concerned about Ray, Ray is, you know, not doing as good as he could, but he'll come on the show to tell his story eventually. But Ray said to me, well, did you tell your sponsor that you've been drinking NyQuil? And I was like, and my thought was, no, no, I haven't. I haven't told my sponsor that I've been drinking NyQuil. And then he goes, well, it might, Ray says to me, and he says, and Ray's not the most sober person lately. He <laughs> says to me, well, it might be a problem. And, I'm, and I get scared. Right. You know, I have this fear in me, like, it was like when I got sober and when they told me I couldn't smoke weed. 
Like I was like, I have to, I, I guess I, I don't want to tell my sponsor because I want to take NyQuil and I don't drink NyQuil every night. Right. I, I drink NyQuil if I'm sick or if like I am paranoid about not sleeping enough or about going to sleep. If I'm excited and I need a way to go to sleep. I do NyQuil literally like once every three months, something like that. You know, I'm not a doctor, but try Benadryl. I, I take Benadryl every night. No, <laughs> no, I take I take Benadryl more than I take Nyquil. Okay, um, but I but I got nervous and I I decided I was going to call my sponsor and tell him. And my sponsor said it's not fucking good, but you're a heroin addict and Nyquil isn't going to make you drink. And I said that's good, it's nice because like what do you do if you do a behavior that you know that you don't think is uh, unsober? You know what I'm saying? And then your sponsor tells you you shouldn't be doing it. So today, for me, all these years later, I don't care. I really don't care. For many years... Well, do you have a sponsor? Yes, I do. Yeah, I have a sponsor. I'm not actively working steps. He's really much more of a very close friend and mentor and confidant right now. And now now that we're talking about him, I need to call him um, because it's been way too long. But How long has it been? It's been way too long. How long has it been? It's been a long time, How long? A couple of months. How is this guy responsible? We're in touch on social media. Do you message him on social media? Yeah, we comment on each other's stuff all the time. Now, when's the last time you've direct messaged him? I'm not going to pull my phone out right now. Approximately. First of all, he's an amazing guy. And um, he... Wait, what'd you say? I said, when's the last time you sent him a direct message? Probably um, uh, October or November. oh bill i know it's pretty bad. gotta call your sponsor <laughs> it's bad. so this so, but, but anyway um yeah i mean i've really changed my and, I, and as being a recovery coach um i believe in multiple pathways of getting sober okay and 12 step was my go-to for years especially like this time around when i came back 10 and a half years ago to get sober i did 12 step and i still do um Went to my first meeting this week, actually, for the first for the first like meeting I went to in a while, and it was good. It was really nice to be back, and that's what I love. It like you could take time off, and you go back in, and you just feel like you belong. You know, you feel like um, like you never left. At least that was my experience. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Like in December, just this last last month, two months ago, we had a big work event in Mountainside up in Canaan, Connecticut, and we all had to get up very early and leave. And I was really sick leading up to it, and so I don't take Nyquil. Um, Often either because it it affects me, it knocks me out. But I yeah. was so sick, and my team knew I was sick. My boss knew I was sick, so I took the Nyquil um, on a Thursday night. And the next thing I knew, it was eight fifteen a.m. in the morning, and we were supposed to be in a car at seven a.m. up on Forty Second Street, leaving up. So I missed it. They called me. I slept through my alarms. I slept through all their phone calls, all their text messages. And like I woke up, you know, you ever have that right? You wake up and you're like in a panic and then you then you're in fear, like, oh my God, what just happened? So it does, you know, that's why I stay away from the stuff, but it's a crazy feeling. When that happens, I mean like awful feeling. It, it's like, what did I do? Right. What happened? And you're immediately transported to active addiction because you don't know what happened. You know what I mean? And you're and then for a second, I mean for me, like the other the other morning I woke up my my daughter was was sick. She had a 101 fever and she was sleeping in my bed. I was sleeping in her bed and I didn't know where I was when I woke up mm. because I was like groggy from right. the NyQuil and like for a minute you're like what the fuck and you I think in that microsecond you remember all the dumb things you've ever done. Right. You know what I mean? How, you know, and and it's just so funny. Like to me, the funniest thing about recovery 
is that you're the same person you were when you were getting high. Exactly. It's like, it's like such that's, and that's also the weirdest thing about meetings and why I think it's such bullshit half the time. I go to like the bougiest meeting. I go to the bougie. Now I've been going to this bougie, very gay, very well dressed, you know, it, it's very metro. You know, it's it's gay and straight, but you can't you can't tell the difference between no. them. So because they're all so fucking bougie, right? And I swear to God, like I've been on keto for like a month. Half of it is because of this fucking meeting. You look amazing. By oh the way. fuck you! You look amazing. Stop it. Um, before Bill got here, I fried up some ham and cheese. Mm, smells, keto, so, smells so. He's good like, "What here. are you baking brownies?" Like, smells so good in here. Um, it's hysterical to me. Uh, and Bill is in like Bill. Bill is, has become a fitness fucking uh, obsessive. Yeah, I I have picked up a little fitness over the last few months. Yes, you could say that. How much time do you have, by the way? What do you mean sobriety? Ten and a half years. Yeah, maybe you don't have to call your sponsor anymore. Yeah, thank you. I don't mean that. You were supposed to say yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, like my sponsor, right? Just so I, so I look. I um, I totally agree with you. If you, those those are very important relationships, like have your sponsor sponsee. Um, what I, what I guess what I'm trying to convey to you is this. You're right. If you have a sponsor and you're working a program, call your sponsor, okay? Especially if that's the agreement you have with your sponsor. But what I love is that my recovery has really turned into um, my recovery. That's what it's turned into. And so I don't need to be on the phone with my sponsor. Like, that's not, that's not the roles that we play in each other's lives. But I could literally pick up the phone, like, right now when we're done with this conversation today, having not have a phone conversation with him and pick right back up off where we left. And I know he would answer. And, um, and if he didn't answer, he would call me back as soon as he could. But here's the question. You haven't called him since October or something. Right. But we both know that you've had some trials and tribulations since October. I have. I mean, <laughs> everybody does. Yeah, of course. So yeah. like those, I mean, like I find that I call my sponsor when things are bad. Right. You know, but I guess you do know what your sponsor is going to say when well, things are bad. And, and it's not even that. It's like, you know, I'm very lucky. Listen, I work at Mountainside and I work, I, I, I'm surrounded all day long with sober people who I really, and I'm a big part of putting our team together, which I'm very proud of, Jason and I. And so these are people that I trust, you know, and we're work colleagues, but they're also friends and they're people with good good sobriety and you know like-minded right because if i'm involved in the hiring process with jason we're hiring people that share the same core values as we do and so i'm not trying to like get out of like not calling my sponsor no but like i'm surrounded every like i'm like walking in here today off the street talking to you in the mood that i came in like reset my thinking right i can do that you can't do that at cats's every day right i can do that at mountainside i can turn around and talk to tracy who's right behind me and say this is what's going on and she'll talk to me as another person in recovery I can do it at Katz's, but they just say, shut the fuck up, oh. you whiny pussy. <laughs> You're such a little bitch, is what they say. Right. When, I, when I talk to them as though they're in recovery, they tell me that I'm such a little bitch. And they're not wrong when they tell me that. No, but they're not offering you the solution that you need to hear. No, you the, know? the Dominican version of AA is incredibly strong. And I don't mean, that. I just mean to have, I mean, the guys I work with, I love, and um, they're assholes. But, like, I, I can talk to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, like, keep things to myself. Right. But that's more about me than about them. You know what I mean? Like, I can't shut up. If I have a fucking issue, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. I think this is the, actually the universe's way of telling me I need to call Dana, my sponsor. I think... Um, I'm actually going to leave here and get on the phone and call Dana. You better... You have to do it now. I'm going you to. Said it. But I think, you know, I don't know if you ever heard... Um, because there's there's no reason why I haven't called him. It's just life 
life gets busy, you know, and life is really, really good. And, um, you know, it takes things like this sometimes to remind me to pick up the phone and call somebody who's so important to me. Well, I've been paying a lot of attention to, um, you know, I hear from a lot of people. I hear from a lot of people on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and emails. Like, people are constantly writing me. And I'm hearing about a lot of people that are, like, really going through it. You know, so it is good that we can give away a few uh, scholarships. But at the same time, I mean, somebody just messaged me on Instagram like an hour ago. I think I'm going to drink, you know, almost tell me not to drink. And I just write, don't drink. I write, don't do it. You know, I mean, I I was saying this to you before we started. Um, I used to go to meetings before I could get sober and they, I would meet somebody and they would give me their number and say, call me before you're going to use. And I would even say to them, I'm not going to do that. Right. You know, because if I was going to use, I wasn't going to call them. I was going to use. And I think it it reminds me of uh, almost suicidal ideation, like where, you're either going to get high or you're not. Like, you, you actually do this for a living. I do not do this for a living. Like, when you're taking care of somebody, do you... Like, when you're counseling somebody, uh, how often do they call you before they're going to use? Not often, you know? Um, but what's important is that they know that they can, okay? And, and it's a practice, and it's a behavior, and it takes... You know, that's what practice is. You want to practice until you get the behavior right. And the important thing, though, is if they don't call you before they're going to use, they know they can call you after. Um, and, you know, I'll, sometimes people will call while they're using, you know. I, you know, I've had more calls often with people, what, what, calls from people while they're using than rather than before because then they're, you know, then they're high, you know, then they're drunk, then their inhibitions are down, so they'll call. Um, and it's really just listening at that point um, and being very gentle and compassionate, making sure they're in a safe place. Um, and this happens more often than you think. You, you're talking to somebody who is intoxicated. Um, Listen, I didn't either. I never picked up the phone and called somebody I was going to use, tell somebody I was going to use before I did. But knowing that I could, I think, is part of the whole exercise, if you will. You know, knowing that, oh, yeah, you know, this person is there. And, you know, if anybody who has my phone number wants to use, they know they, they can call me. I think what's important is that they have it so that after they do, they can call. Whether it's, the, you know, I think the next that's day. actually like it's a telltale of somebody actually getting better. Like, that's like a telltale that they're going to actually call you. Like, there's a chance that that person has a, a lot, like a, a lot higher percentage chance of getting well than somebody who's not going to make the phone call. So if, I think that's like advice. Like, if you're out there and you actually want to stay sober, you make the call. Right. And those calls are like the fucking, the spiritual money in the bank kind of thing. Yeah, those are some of the hardest phone calls you, you, you can make. I know that when I was getting clean, like, I didn't want, I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the other thing. It's like, I didn't want to get clean. Like, I didn't want to get clean until I got clean. Like, I think I hated being high. I I mean, I hated the misery. I hated being broke. I hated being in withdrawal. But I didn't want to not do drugs. Right. You know, and I think that's a weird thing. Like, when you don't necessarily want to get better, but you can't stay high and you're miserable. I think that's like the hardest place to be. Right. You know, do you find a lot of people that you work with are in that situation? Absolutely. Yeah. And is there anything you can do for them or just, it's just the way the fucking dice have to roll? I can't do anything for them. It's not up to me. You know, it's not up to me. We know this, right? It's, it's all about us. But, um, 
being, I, again, for, you know, and I approach, I always approach the work I do with like how I would have wanted, how I would want to have been treated in those moments. And just knowing, and this is going to sound really corny and cliche, but just knowing that there's someone there who's willing to take my phone call is, I think, um, just as powerful as making the phone call. And in my opinion, making the phone call afterwards is just as important as if you had done it beforehand. It's the, it's the reaching out and looking for the connection. I, I tell people I work with and friends that I meet in the rooms, um, if you call and tell me that you want to use, I'm not going to, this is, I'm not going to tell you not to. Okay. I'm going to talk to you and ask you what's going on. I've never, ever said to somebody, don't use, what are you crazy? Um, cause that's not going to work. And that's not really why they're calling. They're calling because they want to talk to you and something's going on. So I've never said, and, um, don't use, I'll ask them like, well, what's, where are you? What's going to happen and get through the details and try and talk them through it. But like, have you ever told somebody not to use? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, but it doesn't matter. You know, I tell people not to use because I don't know. I think I'm a little bit traumatized by what happened to Chris and what happened to Todd. Right. You know, and, um, I hear about somebody who's struggling. Like, I just begged Josh not to die before he went in. Right. You know, it's because, like, and it's it's a little bit of a cliche, but since everybody's dying from fentanyl, it's like, if you're using, there's a good chance you're going to die. And I think I can accept, I've come to this weird place where I can accept death because, like, I, like everybody dies. We're all going to die. It's really the only thing we all have in common. We're all born and we all die. Right. Um, but, like, if you're a drug addict out there and you're my friend and uh, you're, a, you're thinking about using, I can't do anything, but I'll say don't use right. because I don't want you to die. I mean, I told Josh, like, the only thing you have to do is live to get to Mountainside. You know, and then once you're at Mountainside, if you want to leave, I'm not going to tell you not to. Don't feel like you have to stay because you got this thing for free. Just fucking do what you have to do. Um, It's just like that's the other thing. And I've said this on the show a billion times. The magic of recovery is that you want it and you can get it. And then once once you're in the good part, I always I always see it as like you're kind of sitting next to the ocean with an eyedropper filling up a bucket with the eyedropper, and once you have some water in that fucking bucket, you better keep filling it because it took you so long to get it. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's like fucking terrible. I also think, like, if you're just getting back, you do some fucking steps because it anchors you into the right part. Let's let's do an email. Let's hold on for one second. Okay. We had a technical difficulty where my dad somehow fucked up the network and his thing and... You know, uh, I couldn't print my show notes, so we're doing an old school kind of winging it show. But let's get an email. Oh, you have the emails on your phone. Yeah, you emailed them to me. All right, let's hear an email. Which one? There's a. You didn't read any of them. Just the read from the top down? Yeah, but don't say anybody's name. Okay. Can I say your name? No, don't say my name either. No? Yes, you can say my name. Okay. Okay. Dave, thanks for the podcast. It is an important part of my recovery. I'm not a member of the Dopey Nation, so perhaps others have expressed this already. Nonetheless, I want to thank you for sharing brutal, heartbreaking, and beautiful listener letters in the past couple of episodes. I have been sober for a little while, seven years in AA, and like you, I struggle with the unjustness and randomness of it all. Why do some of us afflicted pay such heavy prices? Why do some pay the ultimate price? And conversely, why do some of us get better and go on to have rich, meaningful lives? I've been around long enough to hear well-meaning people in recovery say shit about those who don't make it, like they died so others can live. 
this is total horseshit. <laughs> I think some of us don't make, I, I, I think some of us don't make, and there isn't any rhyme or reason to it. Oh, he's meant to say, don't make it. Don't make it. Right. If people got what they deserved, I would have been dead or in jail long before I got sober, which is exactly why stories like those you read are so meaningful to me. There are no lessons in stories of fatal overdoses, dead friends, and motherless children. Those stories can only remind me that I need to be grateful for today, because that's all each of us have. Again, thanks for your podcast. I hope your scholarship help those who are already for the help. That's how it is, people. I'm not screwing up the grammar there. Just try to read it the way it's supposed to be written. I'm reading it for the first time. And keep doing the damn thing. Best. I won't say his, his name. Oh, there's a PS. There's a PS. Okay, good. I love so good, so bad. Puts a smile on my face every time. Well, that's very sweet. I think that that says it all. That says exactly what we were saying without even even meaning to say it, right? Wasn't yeah. that exactly what we were talking about? That's exactly what we were talking about. Here, hold on for one second. This next, I'm reading the beginning of this next one. It's very emotional. Here, read the next one. Okay. Well, do you have anything to say about the last one? Um, I do. I have opinions on that. Um, what are your opinions? You know, I, I, I'm, I, I've, I, hmm, my opinions are controversial. Well, good, that's better. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't like that too. You know, some people, you know, how did he say it? I just feel like, uh, I, I agree, it's total horseshit. You know, they died so that others can live. I, I don't agree. And, you know, what's that one thing? Like some people are, uh, you know, when people die, it's a reminder. And when people live, it's a promise or something like that. I never heard that. You never heard that? I, I, I mean, so but what are you saying? What I'm trying to say is that uh, I guess you can – it's spin. You can spin it any way you want. If, like something awful happens. Like, listen, look look what happened to Chris. Um, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Sure. If you could change that, would you change it? Yeah, of course. Okay. So my point is people will – you probably – People have probably said to you, or not to you, but about the situation. Well, but that happened because Chris can now help so many other people through the work that Dave is doing, and how Dopey is really changing and growing. And but, like at the end of the day, if you could, you would have changed it. Yeah, yeah, I would have. So that's I mean, my point. It's like, not worth it to me. You know right. what I mean? Like I think it's awesome. Like that's what my I, I was. I was fucking rocked when I found out he had died. I was rocked, mm-hmm. and. um I told my sponsor at the time, and my sponsor said, that's Chris carrying the message. And I was like, you're a dick, you know, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, like, I hate it, and I, and I would change it, but I know that him, I've heard from 100 people who said that him dying scared them into not using you know, a lot of people said that. Yeah, that's just not my style. That's not how I speak to my clients or my sponsees or my friends, just not me. Can I read this next one? If you want to. Okay. Hey, Dave, I've been listening to you and Chris, Rip, for the last few months. I was a hardcore degenerate heroine with an everything chaser addict since age 18. I'm 33 now. Heroin, coke, meth, mushrooms, acid, DMT, ecstasy, ketamine, you fucking name it. I am struggling. I have a fiance. I've been off of heroin for three or four years. My parents and I have a relationship again. I've been fantasizing for the last week about shooting up again. It started with dreams every night and worked its way into everyday thought. I'm fucking lost. I don't know who to turn to. Listening to you both, fuck, I miss Chris. I know you do too. I know I'm going to use again, and I'm afraid. 
A kind word would mean the world right now. I wrote him. I wrote him right away. That's Alan. I, okay. Right? Is yeah. it Alan? It doesn't, it stops here and then it says here, hey, Uncle Dave. So oh, I, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say his name. But I wrote the dude and he said he's feeling better. Oh, good. And um, I think, you know, it's nuts. You know, like you reach out. Uh, and you get an answer back And maybe you realize that everything is going to be okay Like you showed up all distraught And I said a few things to you That you said are things that you would say to your clients You say th- said things to me today that I say literally every week to and, some of my clients And you feel a little bit better I think the right. thing is Like if you're out there and you're using Everything might not be okay You know what I mean? If you're out there and you're using You might die You might kill somebody You might lose your job You might lose your wife You might fucking break your kid's heart You might I was at a meeting today And this fucking This bougiest meeting in the world And this dude comes in on his bike His face is all scabbed up and bloody And he looks terrible And I'm like happy to see him Because finally there'll be a little chaos In this bougie (laughs) AA meeting And uh they get to the burning desire, and he goes, I just want to talk for a minute. And I was like, thank God. They're going to have some action in this thing. And he goes, he tells a story about drunk driving with his 13-year-old daughter and that he can't get clean. And it's like, and everybody in the room is kind of aghast and wants him to stop talking. But this is what we're talking about. It's like, right. for that guy, it might not be okay. You know, he might kill his fucking daughter. He might kill somebody on the street. For... The the writer whose name is my dad's name, um, if he doesn't use as long as he doesn't use, things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can fucking get over whatever the thing that bothers you is. Your your mood changes. You know, that dude in the fucking meeting might not make it. Um, there's a dude on Facebook. I don't I don't know in the Dopey Nation Facebook group, and he posted around New Year's that he relapsed on New Year's. He, like, went out on New Year's Eve to try to find somebody to make out with, okay? And he was at the end of his sobriety, like, but he hadn't relapsed. And then it was New Year's Eve, and he was, like, desperate for attention and, you know, the excitement of all that. And he wound up having a drink. And as soon as he had a drink, he was off to the races, you know? And this dude is now struggling to get his time back and all this shit. And it's like... The second you, if you're on the fence and you're on the sober side of the fence, the second you go to the other side of the fence, there's no telling what's going to happen. Right. You know, and, uh, and I feel for that dude. And, um, you know, if you guys are struggling, uh, reach out to each other, reach out to somebody, you know, that's getting better. Reach out to somebody, you know, that's sober, reach out to me at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Anybody who's sober wants to help you. It's just how it is. Now, hold on for a second. We're going to hold on for a second. Dad. So let's welcome my father back to the show, the fan favorite. The st- people are telling me that you are the star of the show now. Yeah, well, I'm starving right now. You're so hungry? I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, very hungry. One thing that you might not know about my dad is he's really cheap when he buys groceries. And he said, David, I have turkey and I have ham when he left, which is very kind of him. And he's so cheap with the, with the quality of coal cuts that he buys that you can't tell the difference with what they look like. The turkey looks like the ham and the ham looks like turkey. That's nonsense. So full of baloney. It, it wasn't baloney either. It was ham, Swiss cheese, and the turkey was pepper, cracked pepper. It's disgusting. Turkey. You should buy nice boar's head turkey. 
You buy the cheapo stuff, right? I didn't even ask what. Well, name you say it which was. one's cheaper, right? I said which is on sale. Which know? is on sale? <laughs> My, what's what's the most like bananas cookie that you've bought that's on sale? Like mint Oreos if they're cheap. Didn't you buy? Don't you? Oh, he, the Oreos are on sale sometimes. He buys the vanilla Oreos if they're on sale. No, I don't do that. Uh, anyway, you were uh, uh, making comments about the printer not working. Was that uh, correct? Yes. Yes. The printer's and, not working. And blaming me for it. Well, I didn't break the printer. Well, neither did I. I told you the computer, I had to bring the computer in, so I disconnected the computer, which meant, I guess, the printer doesn't work. Okay. Well, so what's going on with you, Dad? I, I came to the house today, and my dad was asleep at fucking after nine. I'm panicking. What are you sleeping so late for? I don't know. I don't know what's happening with me. Uh, maybe this aging business needs more sleep. So you think that's what it is? I think it's you, my dad, you might not know this about yourself, dad, but you sleep in on rainy days. And it was a rainy day. I think it was dark and you slept. You get some rest. Oh, all right. Good. Then I'm not getting older. That's well, you're definitely You're definitely also getting older. I um, think it's today because I'm having a bad day today, too. I think there might be just something about today. Let me ask you this, dad. What? Um, I think you were on the show two weeks ago. Yeah. Do you have any do you have any random criticisms you'd like to throw out there? Oh, do you that, have any comment about what? I mean, the the uh, Garrett was really terrific. Uh, and but it's interesting when I was walking uh, with the headphones uh, listening to it, it was very very difficult. But on the computer, it was loud. Was uh, the volume was good? So what does that mean? I have bad headphones. It's probably it's probably <laughs> something's wrong with your ears. Yeah, you do have he. You know what he uses for headphones? By the way, you know the air, the airplane headphones that they give you. Yeah. That's what he uses for his his phone. Well, of course. Why? What's wrong? Because with that? it's a low quality sound. He uses the shittiest. Yes. What about that idea I gave for 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 guests on uh, on Dopey? You told me it was a terrible idea. It was awful. Let's not, we're not going to talk, not gonna talk. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not going to talk. I about guess it was so bad. <laughs> I can talk um, about it. But also his glasses you buy at the drugstore, right? You buy the Easy Reader two ninety nines. Do you have a, a real gold set of glasses? <laughs> it turns t- turns out I have real real glasses for driving and seeing long distance. But the reading glasses you you just get anywhere. Can but, I tell you something? Yeah. You know Fanny at work, the waitress yeah. at work. Of course I know. You Fanny. know where she gets her glasses? No, out of the lost and found at work. Wow, and I could. My dad would do the same thing. No, if he, he worked no. in a restaurant. He would be fucking wearing the lost and found no, glasses. No, wait a minute. Fanny doesn't just take them. She just takes them. Doesn't and then she... you know what happened? She went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor says your eyes are totally screwed up. What have you been doing? Taking the glasses from the lost and found? Well, no, Fanny, come on. You have to at least give the customer a chance to come back and and get get. <laughs> She's the like, oh, you want to see my new glasses? And there's always the lost and found glasses. Anyway, the reading glasses up at Hoosick Falls are 99 cents each. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, is there anything else you want to add? How about, how about the, the, the power of ketosis? Any thoughts about this keto well, thing? Well, you're, you're really doing great. I don't know. I wonder what's happening to the rest of your body. You're losing weight, but what about your heart? Yeah, definitely <laughs> suffering from, from heart disease. That's not a good uh, exchange. I mean, better to be heavy than have heart, heart disease. Right? Right? <laughs> well, my, my plan is uh, this is day 25, I think, of pure keto. And uh, I think I'm going to go another week or so and then i might go pure plant-based for a month 
to consider can, just to be a trendy dieter. Have you ever thought I could possibly be a trendy dieter? Maybe you're being addicted to diets. I mean, this is... Well, we call this compulsiveness. Compulsive, yeah, that's... Yeah, My dad's the kind of person that can buy, you know, multiple boxes of cookies and not finish them. Yeah. You know, my dad is also notoriously cheap because you know he always has the Nutty Buddies on the table, a dollar ninety nine for twelve bars. All right, listen. Enough with this cheapness. Uh, why don't we you should do why it? Don't you price do, is why, right with you. No, why don't you tell the uh, Dopey Nation how generous I am to you, though? No, how we're about not that. No, no, we're not going to talk about. <laughs> we're that. not going to talk about. My that, dad no. is very, very generous. He's a very generous person. He's cheap with himself, but very generous with his children. Okay, that's good. All right. I, I appreciate when my that. daughter was born, he started to, a college fund for her, and now she she has plenty of money, so I don't have to worry about really being fiduciarily sound. Well, you should still worry, though. But my my father is very generous with others, and he's very cheap with himself. All right, I'll accept that. Okay. Uh, how's everybody out there? I hope they're not going to be able to answer you. Why not? Because I it's mean, a one way thing. No, no, no. The oh, the uh, what do you call it? iTunes on the iTunes thing. Yes. You're 10 out of 10. Oh, that's good. And there's a new iTunes review that I think you should read oh. before you go. You have your glasses on? Yeah, I do. Hold on. Keep, Bill, talk to my dad for a second. This is a pleasure. You've never been here when I've been here. Uh, no, Bill, you're here. It's nice that you're here. And I don't know why I was stalling here. Because, of course, the old podcast leader, David, is trying to figure out what to do now. And that's why this is. You can't even pronounce podcast. It's well, podcast. It's, no, it's podcast. Whatever it is. Okay, here we go. You ready? I can't see. Just relax. Just calm down, Dad. Everything's going to be all right. They say you're not supposed to read your own reviews. Well, that's what they say. I I think I know what he's going to ask me to read. Just read it to Bill. He's never heard this one. It's my favorite review. Uh, The one on the top? No, this one. How about impulsive, childish, annoying? (laughs) That's Read me that one. Uh, the, the, the yeah, this is from it's dumb one star, and this is this is for David. He's impulsive, childish, annoying, basically nails on a chalkboard. Here's the next one, just so Bill hears it because he'll like this one. Uh, by a privileged. Oh no, come on, I'm not. I'm not come reading. On, read that one. No. My favorite one. All I'm, right, okay, okay. Here, read this one. Read, read this one. Read this one. That's my favorite one. Um, oh, here we go. Here, read that one. Uh, for the love of the gods, hmm, three stars. I'm in recovery, and I just started listening to this podcast. I absolutely love it, but for the love of the gods, Dave, can you just shut the hell up and let Chris talk? And honestly, no one wants to hear you eat. Feels like a cheese grater being ran down my spine. Yeah, should be that, run down your spine. Well, listen, it turns out that that obviously that person is just listening at just the beginning. <laughs> lucky, she, lucky, she, lucky she, woman. She, she's just starting. And uh, doesn't one. know the rest of what happens. Uh, best podcast ever. Oh, five stars. Dave, I've been listening since the very beginning. I remember the day I saw the announcement about Chris on Facebook. My heart sank. I put my children to bed and listened to the podcast over and over. Uh, you were doing an amazing an job. An amazing job. I look forward to Dopey every week. Love you. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. That's very sweet. Very One nice. One more, and then you're gone. Good. Oh, by Reuben the Madman or the Mailman? It says Reuben the Mailman. <laughs> oh, 
All right. I recently heard Artie Lang's interview on the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, I wouldn't know what that was. And fell in love with his story. Since then, I was looking for something similar. That's when I heard This American Life do a story on Dopey and figured I'd check it out. Instantly hooked. The banter between Dave and Chris is hilarious, and you can tell they're the best of friends. Not to mention the stories they tell. I started from the beginning, and I'm now on episode 105. Uh, he's got a long way to go, right? Can't wait to hear more, and I'm already bumming myself out when, I'll, when I'm all caught up and can only hear one episode a week. I highly recommend this podcast. Uh, toodles. So he said he didn't... Uh, he listened to This American Life, and yeah, he, does, yeah. he knows what's going to happen, oh, all right. which I, is I, one of the weirdest things yeah. about... This yeah. whole thing. In fact, here, read this thing. Here, give it, give it back to Bill. But you, you, you stay in the loop here, Dad. Read, read, Bill. Do you, I remember I sent you this thing? Oh yeah. Um, read that. Here, I have it right here. Yeah, that was pretty um, hard. Yeah, here. Okay. Read this. I got this email um, last week or this week. I think on Monday or something. Listen to this, Dad. This is a comment on something, right? It was an email. It It just came in as a comment. It says, uh, um, Kay, so I just found you guys a week ago and loved the show. I'm definitely Team Chris, and I got to say you guys are really hilarious together. I've been bringing... I've been binging the show from the beginning, and I'm on episode 123. My only issue is how big of an asshole Dave is to Chris. I know it's your shtick or whatever, but it's another thing altogether to weasel in to his weaknesses and just to be a dick. People say they want a relapse episode, and if there is one, it will be Chris because you just don't fucking let up. Jesus, man, give it a break. I think you're amazing, Chris. You've been through so much and come so far. Don't let that shit in your head. I think it's just for the show, and Dave really loves you. Anyway, I've got some dopey I'd like to share, so I hope you'll allow my emails in the future. I just wanted Chris to know, I think you're amazing for now. So he doesn't really know what's... He doesn't know. No, he doesn't Isn't know. that crazy? Wow. What do you think, Dad? Um, no, it's, it's... I don't know. When did he write? He wrote it this week? He wrote it on Monday. And then I wrote back, because I just can't help myself, I, and I think it's a woman. I wrote back, just so you know, Chris died 18 months ago. Sorry to pass on the bad news, but I certainly don't think it had anything to do with me, um, him dying. And then she wrote back and said, Jesus, Dave, I'm sorry. I have no excuse other than I'm an asshole. You obviously knew Crest better than me, and of course his death was not your fault. I'm sorry you lost your friend. I've lost so many and don't wish that on anyone. I felt bad, so I sent another email. I hoped it would cancel out the first one. Uh, I never thought in a million years he would do that on episode 132. He still sounds like he has his shit together. I just didn't think I'm sorry. So, I mean, she felt guilty. Yeah. But, like, how crazy is it, like, that you do a podcast with your friend and your friend dies and then a year and a half later you get emails, like, saying that if he dies it's going to be your fault. It's just a weird yeah, part no, of this whole well, thing. That's, that was terrible, but she certainly came through and apologized. That's that's very important. You feel better because about this thing? I feel better that she did that because I know that you and Chris loved each other. I knew I knew that it was all in fun and he he really liked he really liked when you were giving it to him. He was He's like was, you. Uh, you both yeah, like it yeah, because you yeah. like the attention. Well, that maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But it 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 created a good a good uh, uh, ambience, a good show, and Chris, Chris, ambiance. Listen, whatever, ambience, ambiance. Anyway, it was good shtick, and he really liked it. He really did. 
So you don't think I was responsible for Chris's death? Of course not. Of course right. not. Hey, that's good for you, Dad. Thank you for coming on. I got to eat something. What are you going to eat? I don't know. All right, we're going to do um, a dopey voicemail before it's all over. You ready, Bill? I'm ready. Oh, this is episode 225, right? 225? Yes. Okay, do you, do, you ever, do you see the same number around at all? I see there's a number I see all the time. Uh, it's 224, which is my birthday. This is significant. And last week's episode was 224. and February 24th. That's my birthday, right, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's a big birthday this year. And... I saw episode, so I saw when you re- uh, released episode two two three, and I think it was Kristen Johnson was going to be the next. It was the next one, and I was like, you I know, think Kristen Johnson was two two three. Okay, so the, when I was listening to that, I was thinking, oh, I should call Dave. I should tell him like the next episode is two two four, and like that's a number I see everywhere. Like I was walking over here today, I looked at my phone, it was two two four, and it really goes back to like my using and it. Very spiritual number for me And I really And I didn't Because I felt like Well why would I call And ask Dave to be on Episode 224 That's just not me I mean I think you know that right Because obviously I didn't do You've that You've never so asked That's just not me that, But now I sort of regret Because that is such a Spiritual number for me I see it everywhere It's my birth date And so it came And it left And now I'm on Episode 225 Right So I don't know what that means. Maybe that's part of what the, this whole funk is about. Um, that you're supposed to have been on. This wasn't God's plan? No, it's just God, that, you know, you, like, you missed like that out why, on the boat? That why didn't I text you and say, hey, you know, I have to be on episode 224. But that's such a negative way to look at this thing because you didn't know that I was going to text you well, out of that's the blue. That's, that's, the what's ama- that's the crazy thing. Right. That's the crazy thing. So I was thinking about you all episode 223 up to 225. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, I wasn't going to be like, I'm going to call and ask to be on this episode. I just thought, like, oh, that'll be really cool. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to ask for what you want. Yeah, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's how I live. Yeah. If I want something, I ask for right. it. Speaking of which, write a review, post a review on iTunes, make it nice. Please don't tell me I killed Chris. It's very, very painful for me. Um, I listen to... Uh, now and again, like, I don't know. Like, I think when Chris died, it was traumatic. And when Todd died, it was so traumatic that um, I just had to keep it moving. I had to keep working. I had to keep making the show. I had to, you know, take care of my family and everything that um, I just kind of took it in my stride. And um, I uh, once in a while, I'll hear from somebody who mentions an episode and so I, I go back to listen to it. You know, they were talking about an old episode, and I started looking through the old episodes, and I saw this episode called Song Singing Idiots. And it was me and Chris. It was, like, early, early on, and it was the first time I ever played uh What are you doing? It's like I'm telling a fucking poignant story. You're like, you're ringing the keys in the air? What are you doing? You think you're scared I'm going to lose my keys? Yes. I mean, and I... What are you eating? What is that? It's, is that, is that uh, brie on Melva toast? Well, it's a cracker. What kind of cracker is it? Yeah, why aren't you talking? I'm asking you questions and you're not talking. <laughs> because when I'm far away from the microphone, nobody hears me. And you're not letting me get anywhere near the microphone. I know, Wasa, Wasa crackers. It's garbage. How much do you buy oh, this for? <laughs> did you actually eat the cheese and the ham and the turkey? Did you eat it? Because I see it's still sitting there. Yes. I, in fact, I took, in my keto snack, I took butter, I, I burnt up the frying pan, and I wrapped the cheese in the ham, and I flipped and flipped, 
and it was fucking really good. So no, that was the butter that was melting on the on the stove over there that I had to put away before it dripped all over the stove. Is that? I think it was butter? a very very it was generic, inexpensive government <laughs> butter. It was pure milk. All right, um, all right. Let's do a voicemail and and uh, be done with this thing. Unless you have anything else you want to say. Unless you have a really crazy crystal meth story that you didn't tell yet. Yeah, but it's too late to do that now. Okay. We can do that some other time. Maybe on episode three hundred and twenty four. Why didn't I call you and tell you about 224? It was so... Well, it would have been helpful for me because lately I've just been like... I, I, I like find myself begging famous people to come on Dopey. Like I am a fucking podcaster beggar. Like I, I like... And, I, and, I, and it's embarrassing and it's painful. You know? Really? It's painful. Like because uh, like I'm like weird and annoying and I like don't stop. Like, I'm fucking NyQuil dialing Artie. I, I, like, got into a thing with Courtney Love. I was this close to having Courtney on the show. Really? But then I said something wrong. I spooked her, and she's gone. She's gone in the wilds of England. But you what? owe me a pair of socks, by the way. And a hat. And a hat. How do you figure? Because I told you I'd give it to you? Because I won the socks. You had the, the contest, What was remember? the contest? Uh, you, you posted the, tat, the dopey tattoo. Oh, yeah. And it, I answered, and it was Joe Schrank, because Joe Schrank's bicep. I stared at that for years. I stared at that arm. That's how you knew? Yeah, because I worked with him for years. Yeah, you, I had, you know, I, had a, I was going to give you a pair of socks just because you were coming on the show. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, if you want socks, just hit us up at uh, dopeypodcast at gmail.com or Venmo me. Socks are 15 bucks, and they're pretty high-quality socks. So before we go, um, write us at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Fucking follow us on Reddit. Reddit all of a sudden is burning it up again. Mm. I love that. It was funny, like, uh, some dude congratulated me for not being a waiter anymore, and then the other dude was like, you're so gay, to congratulate him for that, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. I like stuff like that. And that's the other reason I think we don't get celebrity guests anymore is because I'm not waiting tables at Katz's, because I used to be able to find... I, I mean, that's how I got Jamie Lee Curtis. That's how I got fucking Bob uh, Forrest the first time. Right. That's how I got Mark Marin. You know, it was just running into them. So I feel like that that's hurt us. But... Um, do your best out there, everybody. I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, send me a fucking funny drug story. Send in a fucking good voicemail, please. And Bill, thank you for coming. Yeah, and thanks for putting up with me when I'm not at my best today. Oh, give me a break. Don't put yourself down. But you, this has been the best part of the day for me so far. Are you sure? I am. I swear to God. What did you have for lunch? Um, chicken chili. I made chicken chili last night, and I brought some for lunch today. So this was better than that. This was well. My chicken chili was pretty good. I know that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, no, but this was this was more um, meaningful. This was more more fulfilling than yeah. the chili. Yeah, I don't think chili would work as keto because of the beans. No, yeah, I, I, I use white butter beans and red kidney beans. Delicious, but not good for keto. Mm. So thank you, Bill. And I just I just didn't think this episode had enough dopey on it. And out of nowhere, Jake from West Virginia, who did the banjo version of Good So Bad introduced me uh, on Instagram to his friend uh, B. Casper, which I assume is something like being ghost or something. Is that what it means? Yeah, yeah. See, I'm not that out of the loop. And, uh, and, and fucking Jake was like, she's this beautiful hippie girl that's, that trades acid for iTunes reviews, and she's been arrested a hundred times and has these crazy dopey stories. Um, so welcome to Dopey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. 
and B is from uh, Illinois. And um, and it's, it's true that you trade uh, doses for iTunes reviews? I sure do. So who takes the doses and, like, how many reviews do you get per dose? Is it just one review per dose? Yeah, uh, so I make people send me a screenshot of the reviews that they write, and then I'll either mail it to them or meet up with them in person and give it to them. Yeah, I don't want this offer to go out to the dopey nation. I'm trying to, like keep people safe. Although B Casper's <laughs> podcast is called the time I got arrested. And I would love it if you just dropped a crazy dopey story on us. Sure. Sure. Okay. So one time in college, I went to a music festival in Detroit called them. Now it's called movement, but formerly known as the Detroit electronic music festival. And I went with some friends and we drove from North Carolina to Michigan for this festival on our way home. We had to, you know, reverse that drive and we decided to like save the money. And we had done a lot of drugs with the last night. So we were going to be up all night. We figured, all right, we'll just like drive as much as we can now. And then we'll, you know, grab a hotel halfway and then we'll, like, sleep a little bit and be almost there. Right on. So um, so maybe, like, an hour into our drive, we're in Bowling Green, Ohio. We have, like, Molly that's, like, broken up on, like, a little book inside our car, and we're, like, bumping rails of Molly at a gas station. Super safe. Highly recommend. Just right. kidding. Not for the kids. But <laughs> um, we were kind of saying, like, all right, who's going to drive first? And I was just thinking, like, oh, I'm rolling. I feel like I'm moving. I feel like if I'm driving, then I'll be, like, you know, forward momentum. That was, that was my mindset. I'm like, I'll, I'll drive first. Like, let me drive. And what ended up happening is I went, like, 10 miles over the speed limit and got pulled over at 4 in the morning in Bowling Green, Ohio, on, like, a Sunday. And the cops that pulled us over were pretty convinced that we were, you know, not just, like, regular college kids coming back from the music festival, they were convinced that we were drug dealers and that we were, like, moving pills for some reason. We didn't have any pills on us, but that's, like, the assumption that they had. I have to also mention that I was wearing um, leggings that had marijuana leaves all over them and a T-shirt that said, I love you, but I've chosen techno. Okay. And, so you could, you could be uh, seen as a pill-running, crazy, raving hippie? For sure, for sure. He definitely had my number. Um... So the cops had given us a pretty hard time, and my, I was driving, and they pulled me out of the car, and my boyfriend was smart enough to get rid of the drugs that we had, but they were, like, questioning us, and they were trying to get us, like, to turn on each other. You know, they put me in the car, and then they asked me some questions, and then they put me in the front and him in the back and left us in the car alone. So they recorded our conversation, and what he said was that he blew out that powder and then he got rid of that dose. That's what he told me. So they like found our weed, but we didn't have any other drugs in the car because we got rid of them. So the police officers played it back and said <laughs> over and over again, what's a dose, man? What's a dose? Because <laughs> they didn't understand like what we were talking about. And my boyfriend turned to him and he said, a dose is a unit of measurement. And it was just kind of like... <laughs> yeah. One of the funniest things I've ever heard, like, said to a cop, and, like, he felt real fucking stupid after that. I eventually got charged with uh, disorderly conduct and possession of marijuana, and I can't go back to Ohio because I owe them, like, 750 bucks. Yeah, something like that happened to me in Illinois, and they, they took weed off of us, me and my friend. And uh, and my friend, I paid it, and my friend never paid it, and he just wouldn't go back to Illinois. Um, yeah, same. I mean, like, what's in Ohio? Nothing I need. 
And I saw on Instagram that you recently jumped off of a roof. What the fuck was that? Uh, yeah, I heard that day, like three years ago. Oh, I guess I'm scrolling very far back. But what happened? Uh, I had a bad day, and I jumped off a building. I jumped off a five-story building. Oh, my God. And you live to tell the tale. Um, you know, the the old, there's an old sort of like, uh, the old story was that people who take acid will jump off of a roof. Like in the 60s, that's what they would tell people. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. I wasn't on any acid, and I did not think I could fly. I was like just trying to kill myself. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Um, okay. And you're not, you're not. A, you said you're not a drug addict, and you're not in recovery, but you're a stoner. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if I have a problem with any drug, it's marijuana. But I'm not using any opiates for my injuries. I just use pot. So I feel like it's a small price to pay. No, I hear you. I, I was a great stoner, and I became a heroin addict, and I never could be a stoner again because of it. So I, I say more power to you. Enjoy your life and everything. And your podcast is called um, The Time I Got Arrested. You have another good arrest story you want to share with us? <laughs> uh, another good arrest story. I mean, all of my stories are not, like, when you say good, like, what do you mean good? They can, no, it can be <laughs> bad. I mean, just a cool story. Just a story that you think is entertaining. That Because, like, our audience is a bunch of drug addicts, and they've all been arrested, and they've all... You know, a lot of them have wanted to kill themselves and a lot of them have, you know, a lot of them are dead. You know what I mean? A bunch of our audience died. My co-host actually died. Um, So so sorry. I know. It's terrible. And the dude from Illinois, that story I told you about, he died also. Um, So it's like there's a lot of pain in our thing. So it doesn't have to be like a good story, just a, a, a story that's like rich, you know? Okay. I got a story for you. So I smoked a lot of DMT in college, like a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I died. I jumped off a five-star building and I died for 19 seconds. So I bled out and was like officially like, you're not living anymore. And when I thought about dying, the most interesting thing that I found about dying um, and a unique perspective that I have is because I smoked so much DMT before I died, when I actually had a near-death experience, um, what I found out is that it's the it's the same place. Like, the place that you go to when you smoke DMT is the same place that you go to when you die. And I think that death is, like, this really scary, unknown sort of dark thing that we all have to face because everyone around us is going to die and then we're all going to die eventually. But death is actually the most beautiful, peaceful, loving, connected amazing experience it's just like smoking dmt and blasting off for the first time but it's like better so death is really chill and i'm sorry to everyone who has died and like i'm in no hurry to die again but i'm i'm like not afraid and i think everyone should try it at least once yeah i think that's amazing i think that's an amazing story i i always wanted to try dmt and uh and i had gotten sober and i had never tried it and then uh a buddy of mine was like I got DMT and I was like all right I'll do it and um and I got to smoke DMT and uh it really was a crazy fascinating experience and they I, what I read about it was that it was exactly what you said that the brain secretes an experience that is the same as DMT and you've actually experienced both so you can actually actually vouch is what you're saying yeah 
totes. And I was just like, whoa, like I didn't know that that's what I was doing when I jumped off a building, but it's really cool. I wish more people would like believe me, you know, not, not just believe me, but it's a hard thing to hear when it's not something you're familiar with. You're like, yeah, death is cool. Okay. You know, but it's like, no, it's not just cool. It's like, it's beautiful and it's soft and it's easy and it's loving and it's like connected and you're like returning to like, like infinite love. And it's just, it's amazing. But so it's not scary. And like, but it's harder to be alive. Right. You know I mean? Right. But you're not in a rush to die now. You know your time will come. You know your time is going to come when it's going to come. Sure. I can't wait, you know? Well, but no, you, but you can wait because you're not rushing for it. You're trying to enjoy your life now, right? I will wait. I will wait. You'll wait. You'll fucking wait and you'll like it. And you'll enjoy your life while you have it. And you're a young, beautiful hippie. You enjoy your life, like Jake said, right? I'm not as much of a hippie anymore, but I... Like, I feel like when you don't wear the costume, it's hard to call yourself that. I'm in a hippie on the inside, though. Right on. Um, I do appreciate you taking your time to, to showing up for our little show. You do comedy in Illinois? Yeah, in Chicago. I'm a stand-up comic in Chicago. Have you ever heard of this woman, Jessa Reed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love her. Big fan. Her This Is Not Happening is, like, one of my favorites. I think um, I'm friend. Oh, I'm friendly with her. She's been on the show a couple times. I bet you you'd be great. What? Are you kidding me? No. Um, yeah, she's been on the show twice. And yes, yeah, oh she, she came. She came to my dad's apartment and recorded with me. Um, but oh my uh, God, dude, that's so cool. Yeah, this is a big time show. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll pass you along to her, and I bet you she'd have you on her podcast. I think you're right up her alley. Oh. Oh my God, I would die. I should. I mean, like in a good way. I should. Yeah, but you'll have that same warm DMT experience either way, so you'll be all right. Um, yeah. I should. Whoa. I should have started with that. Listen, to how happy you are. That's so cool. Um, all right, B. Casper. Thank you so much for coming on and laying a little dopey on the folks. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. And I will totally let Jessa know of your existence. She will love you. I know that. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Good deal. What, what's the weird board game you guys are playing? Settlers of Catan. Settler, my game. It sounds like a very hippie, nerdy game. Settlers oh, of it's Catan. So fun. It was invented by a bunch of MIT students, and they like studied the top 10 selling games and fixed all the flaws in them and then created the perfect game. So it's, like, it's so much fun. Settlers of Catan. It sounds like the ultimate stoner game, to be honest with you. It is. I have daps and a bong, so it's like we're chilling. Wow. Look at you. Well, B. Casper, enjoy your stoner life, and I will, I will totally reach out to Jessa for you. Okay, thank you so much. Have a beautiful night, and uh, I hope you don't have to die for a long time, but I appreciate the nice uh, way you describe it. It's something for everybody to feel a little bit safer about. Good, I'm glad. All right, good night. Thank you. Thanks. So there you have it. You know, you think the show isn't dopey enough, and then... A couple of hippies get together and they infuse the show with dopiness, acid, DMT, near-death experiences, and a crazy penchant and love of Jessa Reed. So thank you, B. Casper, for coming through. Thank you to Jake from West Virginia for the introduction. Thank you to Bill Blaber for laying down the dopey in the beginning. And thank you to Misty for these amazing gifts. I cannot tell you... uh how touching it is to me to get them. 
I know that uh, that Chris would have loved that fucking be Casper bit. So let's just say good night. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. What's up, Dave and Chris? My name's Jake. I'm 25 years old from West Virginia. I just found Dopey about two weeks ago, and it's my favorite podcast of all time. Y'all are hilarious, and it's just gotten me through some really hard times. And though I'm not clean myself, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Um, I really like Dave's song, and I'm going to do a little cover of it here on my banjo. Hope y'all don't mind too much. I wrote a uh, third verse myself. Sorry about the poor quality. It's just on my phone. And, uh, sorry about the banjo. This thing's hard to keep in tune. sit through the uh, big inbox emails feel free to play a clip on the show if you want I, if not i know it kind of sucks all right uh really appreciate it thanks y'all